This is Unsocial Spectators with Clay Harrison and Mark Ramsey. And uh, you can find us at unsocialspectators.com and also at unspectators on Twitter. And welcome to episode 64 of Unsocial Spectators. I'm Mark. I'm Clay. (laughs) Hey now. (laughs) Oh, so uh, we took a week off because I was in the hospital. And now it's time for old man talk. Old man talk. With Mark and Clay. Yeah. (laughs) So So, what doctor visits did you have this past week? Well, last week I was in the hospital and they removed a toe. And uh, then uh, I had a doctor, a virtual doctor's appointment on uh, Thursday and then never showed up. Did they ever contact you or follow up? Nothing. Nothing. Fuck. I mean, it's just rude. Like you just had, yeah, you just had like some major shit and nothing. You're just in limbo. Nothing. So, there you go. Uh, So, this week we're going to talk about a, a pretty surprising film. Oh, yeah. This one caught me off guard. Yeah. Like I, first of all, the thing that draws me to it is uh, Nick Cave is the writer. Yeah. Uh, and does the soundtrack. Yeah. And so I was just like really kind of caught off guard. Now, I know he, he had done a graphic novel and worked in comics because uh, my wife, Shelby, is a huge Nick Cave fan. So she's got albums and his books and everything. And she hadn't seen this, and so she was excited to see it. But I think it was the brutality of it was tough. She had just worked all day. And this is how intense this movie was. The dogs, we we have to get our dogs settled to sit sit through a movie. And we could never sit through a full movie, even if it's like 90 minutes, without dogs doing something. Right. We We got interrupted three times. Didn't finish it last night. I, I finished it this morning, and every time the intensity just zoomed right back to where it was. Like, everything was so intense. The whole film. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty fucking crazy. Um, we're talking about the proposition from 2005. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just got to go just jump it in because... I, I mean, I finished it this morning and it was just so fucking intense. And I don't think there's a better word than, I mean, there are a few movies where I just go, yeah, it was brutal. This movie was brutal. Yeah, def- especially when uh, he gets shot in the the chest with an arrow. And, oh, yeah. And then his brother blows their aborigines head up. Yeah, like, okay, so the whole premise is that uh, Guy Pierce is part of this gang of brothers called the Evans Brothers. Mm-hmm. And uh, he is accused of, I don't think they ever confirmed that they committed the violence, did they? Uh, no, not really. Yeah. Um, uh, they just had these locals, and this, this is in the 1880s in the Australian outback with... Uh, the 
colonialization of uh, Australia, and you've got this Captain Stanley played by Ray Winstone, who blew me away. He like, was that amazing. Dude, yeah, and you're talking up against next Guy Pierce and Emily Watson, who are fucking amazing. This may be my favorite Guy Pierce film, and like he's done so much great. He ha- it's weird. You go through his filmography; he's got just it goes w- up and down. Yeah. <laughs> weird shit. Uh you knew you know who I think was pretty amazing, John Hurt. Oh dude. <laughs> dude, like the 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 line delivery, every word counted with him. Yeah. Like he has two scenes. Yeah, it's really just two scenes, sure, right? Sure, sure. And it's so intense and you just if you are not captivated at this moment by this film then you have no soul because he just starts talking and pulls you into this moment where he talks about uh not being uh an animal while he's sitting in this bar with a dead man with flies flying over it right it it just ah but so so Captain Stanley's trying to tame the outback and he's got this family of brothers who who may or may not have committed rape and murder of of an entire family. And so he he finds uh the movie just opens up guns blazing. Like sure. it's just it's just a fucking shootout. That's like how intense the it starts high and it stays high. Yeah. And and uh so they capture two of the brothers, Guy Pierce and then uh, I didn't know this other guy, this Richard Wilson that played his brother. No. But he seems like he was like he was like the kid of the family. He's the baby of the family. Sure. And Captain Stanley uh, says, "Look, I you know I want your third brother, who is uh, played by Danny Houston, dude. Danny Houston in every scene is just." fucking intense looking like he's yeah he's she he's pretty amazing i mean all of the acting in this film was fucking amazing yeah yeah and, and like and even like the uh like did you get a warning when you watched it because i got one on peacock um maybe i don't even look at warnings okay because at the beginning i guess they showed a lot of photography that included dead people and dead aboriginals to kind of put you in that uh uh time period sure. of of britain trying to colonize them and you have this story the sub story of the aboriginal people who are in the movie and how they're represented because their help there's the guy that travels with the soldiers who you know basically is like a turncoat he translates for them yeah he's uh, like a tracker too yeah and uh, you have uh, Captain Stanley's house person, which I was going to ask you about this moment. We don't see Toby through the whole film. He's just off screen and they refer to him. So you know that they have help. Sure. At at the end, when they're going to have this final standoff with the soldiers, uh, he he walks to the gate, takes his shoes off and walks out, like, but looks at him, gives him this look and and you could tell it was the kind of 
like this dude was trying to civilize him. Like that's what they would do to uh, native people is like they put them in schools, they sure. dress them and force them to wear certain things. And 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 obviously shoes were not something that the Aboriginal people wore. So like taking them off was like his way of like shunning civilization. And he's he was just going to go back with his people. Yeah. And and that was wild. And then there's an Aboriginal that travels with the brothers who uh, like. He, he was he was great too yeah because when they trap when they trap down this one guy you see what he does to that uh uh turncoat and it's yeah. fucked it is fucked because the again the violence of this movie is on like another level sure and, and uh and so then you have uh, the guy who I guess is kind of running the town. The guy that comes in with, I mean, literally, like <laughs> he has a mustache you could twirl. Yeah, dick like, dastardly. <laughs> yeah, he comes in and, uh, and and is like, well, we're going to, you know, hey, you shouldn't have made this deal with that dude. We're going to give this kid 100 lashes. He goes, you give him 100 lashes, you're going to kill him. And then we get to see it and just how... You can feel the people who have turned at this point because the spectacle of people going to jail is like kids throwing rocks at them. Uh, put uh, put in the uh, what were those? Oh, the wooden things that they would hold them in because they basically strap him to like one of those uh, and strip his shirt off his back and whip him there. And yeah. I can't remember what those things like but, stocks. Stocks, yeah, like the stockade. Uh, and, and you see the, why the, the thing that really gets me is Emily Watson is in this movie and she is kind of like the representation, I guess, of like civility trying to come to a wild area. Right. She's always dressed to the nines. Like they have like, uh, fine silverware and plates and shit in their house. Like it's really done up nice. It's just fucking wild. And then when she has to experience the brutality she can't fucking deal. No, like she comes. Yeah. She comes to town to see her husband. Who's the captain. And he's, he's basically tried to keep her from all this. Like he stayed days at work just so that he doesn't have to go home. And so she's come to look for him and uh, she just gets too involved. She finds out about her friend who was uh, the person who was raped and killed in the fire. And she's like, wants this kid to pay for it so she goes with the rest of the town including kids to all watch this kid get a hundred lashes and by the time they get to 35 that kid is just laying there and you watch the people in the audience just groan like and, just and knowing. eventually they leave and yeah I, what i thought was interesting they showed the bat that that the kids getting lashes and it starts attracting flies, and the flies land all over the townspeople. Yes, that was the creepiest. Was just the the seeing the bugs on the people as they stood there watching that that beating. Oh fuck! Oh man, it was just so good. And then when you're with Danny Houston, he gives you this sense of peace. But it's it's his interaction with Guy Pierce that makes you question everything. So. Right. Yeah, Danny Houston is living in the in the mountains with uh, an Aboriginal guy and this other kid, Samuel. Mm -hmm. 
and um and, and and one of the Aboriginal even describes him as a dog. They're like, this is like a wolf or like a dog man and mm-hmm. show, puts up his hands, his ears and everything. And we see Danny Houston just laying with either a wolf or a coyote. And I'm I'm not sure of the... Or, or a dingo. Or a dingo. Yeah, probably that. That, that makes more sense. Uh, just holding it and cuddling it while he's just thinking and talking and that dog never moves sure and it and it's wild as fuck and you see that like how he's there is a piece to him but when there is insanity and violence it is harsh it is so bad uh john hurt plays an adventurer who's essentially a bounty hunter who is searching for the evanses as well uh, and he runs into Guy Pierce in this pl- one place where he gives that great speech. Sure. And then he tracks him to his brother's hideout in the mountains, and they have a great showdown. Oh, fuck, that's so good. And then he gives that speech after Danny Houston shot him. That It's like, like a poem. Right. And those two just interacting for that little bit may be the best part of the film. Yeah, man, I really love this film. I, I had... Uh... I had heard it was, you know, uh, it has a really good ratings on uh, Letterbox, and I've I'd heard so much about it, but I never seen it. So I thought you might want to see it. Oh, most definitely. I think that I, I, it's weird because like Danny Houston, I remember him for two films. He was in X Men Origins. Wolverine, which is fucking terrible, but mainly just because he looks like a young Brian Cox, and that and he right. that's who he was playing, and then Thirty Days of Nights because he plays the like the lead vampire in that group, and I love that vampire movie, and and he's the one who kind of is, has to emote and give them you know uh, some sort of feeling on screen, and he does a good job at it. Uh, so what else have you been watching? Um, oh, Joe Bob. Now, I was talking to you about like you should check out uh, Joe Bob's live shows on Shutter, usually on Twitter. Uh, but I, I, I've just been using less and less of Twitter. This one kind of brings me back because they have great live exchanges when they do stuff. And last week they did uh, the Baba Duke uh-huh. for Mother for for Mother's Day. Have you ever seen the Baba Duke? Yeah. Oh man, I just I guess I. I had revisited it since I first saw it, and I forget how good the kid is. Yeah, it's a really good film. That kid takes it. I mean, like you're you're seeing everything through the mom's eyes. You're you're losing sleep while she's losing sleep. You're losing your mind when you hear this kid scream. But that kid just makes you makes it more just horrible. Like his screaming and yelling, and her just trying to exist. Yeah. And looking, oh, it's just so fucked, man. Yeah, so I watched uh, The Replacement Killers. Oh, is Mira Sorvino and... Uh, Chow Yun Chow Fat. Chow Yun Fat, yeah. And uh, Jorgen uh, Porknow and Michael Rooker. Rooker, yes. It was a really good film. You know? Yeah, wasn't that like his, uh, 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 Chow Yun Fat's like, kind of like going to be his first big American film. Yeah. Yeah. I really enjoyed it, man. I had a good time with it. 
Yeah, uh, I haven't uh, see, seen it in a long time. Yeah, Denny Trehouse in it too. <laughs> Denny, that that fucking guy. One of my favorite con stories is uh, me and my buddy Terry were at a convention and Danny Trejo's there. I just watched this documentary about him where it talked about how he, where he grew up, this tough area, went to juvie and jail, got out, you know, meets Robert Rodriguez, becomes this kind of star. And I was like, man, I just saw this movie, your movie, your documentary about your life is just so impressed. And he goes, yeah, man. I just uh, they just gave me a bunch of cash and cash and I just said show me where to stand and I was like and and Terry goes I saw your face just go from so happy to just so sad and that's when I took the picture of you two and there's this picture of us and I'm just like <laughs> yeah he he has a donut store now in Los Angeles oh yeah I see him tweet about that yeah. and advertise it Trejo Donuts. So, yeah, it's pretty funny. Uh, but, yeah, that was a good film. Uh, I I rewatched uh, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Oh, yeah. I love... That's... It, it's amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's weird seeing uh, just Steve Martin and Michael Caine play off each other so well. Ruprecht. <laughs> Do you mind if I go to the bathroom? Uh, uh. <laughs> just the best. Uh, then I've been watching a show on Peacock called Bupkiss. Yeah, you told me this was pretty good, the Pete Davidson show. Pretty fucking funny. And it's uh, kind of like Atlanta, where each show is kind of a different theme. But, it, you know, all plays together. He makes fun of himself for being a drug addict and for having a big dick, which is hard to make fun of. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Say, how, how is that a... <laughs> that's a humble brag. You know, that's not the, a joke. And there, there's one there's one episode where he's getting followed by paparazzis and the guy with him pulls out a... A, a bazooka and shoots him, you know? It's what the hell? It's, it's real, but not real. And it's all just, the... yeah. It's over the top of the <laughs> life he lives. And uh, what's his name? The guy from, uh, he was in that show. Uh, oh. I know, I've seen there's like so many people that are appearing in the show. Uh I, Joe Pesci plays his Joe his, Pesci's his, uh, grandfather and uh, Edie Falco's his mom. Machine Gun Kelly shows up at rehab to give what? him drugs. I mean, it's just and uh, what's that guy's name? Uh, uh, Everybody loves Raymond. What's his name? Ray uh, Ray Romano. Yeah, he keeps showing up in his dreams and just crazy shit, man. Oh, that like okay, when, I'm in. like I'm when he, he gets in a every time he does drugs, he shows up. <laughs> yeah, you know, as, as a delusion, 
and but then, like Ray Romano, the actor, not yeah, like Ray yeah, from the show. No, like no, no, the actor. And then later on, uh, he's he's at a, a gas station, and Ray Romano comes up to him and says, "Hey, Pete Davidson, love your work. I'm a fan." And uh, Pete Davidson says, fuck you, Ray Momono, and drives away. And Ray Momono's <laughs> sitting there going, what? <laughs> and it's uh, the real Ray Romano, you know? Not- <laughs> but it's a real fun show, man. I think you'll like it. Definitely worth checking out. Yeah, I usually will throw these out in front of Shelby to see if she has any interest. She didn't seem to pick up on that one, so I can binge that like in a day. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I already finished this uh, 10 episodes or 8 or something. So what else have you been watching? Well, I've been binge watching Farscape uh, on Peacock. I uh, I had read that James Gunn was uh, inspired by Farscape and just by the time you get to the second season, you can see the whole guardians playbook from the show. So it's neat to watch and revisit. And so uh, I, I just love that. Like Brian Henson, like took his dad's company to another level mm-hmm. and uh, did this crazy sci-fi show in Canada uh, and using puppets and, and they all fucking work and they're all great. But the weirdest trivia I find when I go looking this shit up is uh, Brian Henson. Do you know who he's married to? No. Mia Sarah. She was the girl who played uh, uh, Ferris Bueller's girlfriend. Oh. Ferris Bueller's. Yeah. Oh, And she was also in The Girl in Legend. Huh. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, huh. Oh, Uh, I also watched, okay, I I watched this one just because of the name, and I, I'm pretty sure it was on Tubi, Vampire Hookers. Oh. <laughs> it had a great poster, a great name, and it has a great song. I uh, for, <laughs> for my other podcast, I, I just played them the end and the music because the music, I mean, this movie is just, you get what you're, you know, in the title, you're getting exactly what you think you're getting. At the end, they had this guy who's kind of been like wanting to be a vampire who eventually becomes a vampire, but he's like the comic relief of the movie. He just, he just rips a big fart and then looks at the audience. Cue the credits. And that's how they chose to end this movie. (laughs) But there is a song called vampire hookers with the chorus line saying, Blood isn't all they suck. Oh boy. <laughs> I love a good bad movie though. And when sure. people when people go, hey, I you know, I just put a mad lib of a title together and I think we should make this movie, Vampire Hookers would be a great one. Uh, yeah. Oh, on uh Tubi, I uh, I saw Joe Kidd. Uh oh. Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood. I almost suggested that because I was like, I don't think I've seen this one, but it's, I didn't think I saw it, but when I watched it, I kept thinking I might've seen it before, but it's really, really good. You know? Yeah. 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 I enjoyed it. And then I finished uh, generation X on Disney 
uh, that documentary, and that was pretty good. Yeah, yeah, I do enjoy that. But then on Peacock, uh, watch this movie, Inside. Yeah, I've seen it advertised. Damn, I mean, if you love uh, watching that guy act. Yeah. I mean, it's basically uh, Willem Dafoe gets locked. He tries to steal this art and gets locked inside of this apartment and can't get out. And you see him trying to get out, doing all this stuff, and uh, it's just him, you know? Really? He barely talks to himself. It's it's pretty a pretty interesting film. And then by the end, uh, he supposedly escapes through the 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 ceiling of the penthouse. Yeah. But you're wondering if the whole time it's just uh, his struggle to get to heaven. Oh, okay. So you it's know, like, it's, yeah, it, it's it, just represent, representing his struggle, not yeah, his real struggle. But I really, really liked it, you know. Okay. Yeah, because the cast lists four people. No, 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 not really anyone in it, you know. Oh, that's weird. They're they're all in flashbacks. Oh, okay. Maybe you know what? Yeah. It's hard to determine what's real and what isn't. And I've been watching Hannibal. Scott Thompson is pretty good in that show. Yeah. I've never watched it. I've heard everyone that's watched it has always said it's great. Dude, it is fucking fantastic. And I do love Mads. Uh, he, Mickelson is at the top of his game in this. Yeah. You know, it's free on Tubi, so definitely worth checking out. There's like four seasons, though, isn't there? Isn't there like four seasons? Uh, I think three. Three? Okay. Yeah. And not 24 episodes. No, no, like 10 or 11 or something Oh, good. Okay, yeah. Yeah, it's it's definitely worth watching, especially if you're a fan of all the Hannibal Lecter stuff. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I've been thinking about revisiting them because I I do enjoy going back to the Michael Mann version where Brian Cox again played Hannibal. Yeah, yeah, he's great as Hannibal. But and you, now the, we've got like the, the, all these different takes on it. Dude, Mads is the best Hannibal. Wow, that's yeah. a fucking bold statement. Yeah, and Lawrence Fishburne's in it. He's oh, really he's good too. So, yeah, definitely check that. And Scott Thompson, he doesn't play a big role, but he's, you know, I mean, he's Scott Thompson. He's fun. Yeah. From Kids in the Hall, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. I was making sure that was like going, because it seems like a weird casting for a serious show. Well, he's all I know that guy's done is comedy. Yeah, he's serious in the show, you know. Yeah. But he's still good. And then I watched on Paramount, Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. It's already streaming. What do you think? Dude, pretty fun. 
pretty fun. I was totally surprised. I've Good. seen a lot of Dungeons and Dragons kind of shows and stuff, and they were just, eh. Yeah, they're gonna make a uh, they're gonna make a sequel to that. You can tell. Okay, good. Because I was excited and I was like, "But are they? I they've done it in the past, and it's always kind of fall short. It's like other uh, fantasy movies seem to be able to pull it off, but D and D has always been just kind of meh. No, so, I, I thought they did a really good job. Yeah, and I loved. For me, it's the bad guys. It's the, or it's. I mean, it's the creatures and the cool shit. You mm. know, the gelatinous cube and the owl bear. Seeing those in the previews, I was like, "Oh, cool! They're getting into the stuff." But uh, I was kind of worried with Chris Pine leaning it. No, he's he's good. He's best when you can't recognize it. Right. <laughs> when he's wearing a beard or some fucked up shit, and you have to look up who that is on IMDb, and it's Chris Pine because it's that good. Uh, what about uh, Michelle Rodriguez? How does she do? Oh, she's she's fantastic, man. Yeah. They give her a great fight scene? Yeah. Fuck yeah. That's yeah. what I love about the Fast and Furious movies is like every, every next one since the fifth one, and the fifth fight was probably my favorite fight. Michelle Rodriguez has always had a great uh, fight to happen. And I think she's fighting uh, Charlize Theron in X-10. Oh, we're okay. Gonna, we're going to get out Thursday or Friday and go see that. Yeah, I had uh, tickets to see Guardians and then I was at the hospital. Oh, that sucks, man. Oh, well. I'll I'd see. Love it. I'd, lo- I'd love to talk Guardians with you when you when you can get back out to it. We'll see. We'll see. Hopefully, I can get out to the see it in the theater before it leaves. You know. Yeah. Um, I uh, I'm I'll get it at the library either way. Yeah, but I, I gotta admit though, a lot of the cool spaceship is on the big screen is the best. I mm-hmm. mean they they have they like invade this weird like bio world that looks really cool big screen. So I watched uh, Smoke and Mirrors, the story of Tom Savini. I didn't know about this. What is this? Yeah. I, I think, oh, wait a minute. No, I do. I did know about this. I haven't watched it yet. Yeah. It's pretty good. Yeah. yeah that dude, that dude's in, um, uh, has done fucking some of the best makeup for some of the best horror movies since. And he's a pretty good act- alive. actor, too. Yeah, Sex Machine. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, uh, apparently, he's sending his uh, sending of tape. They want him to play. Uh, uh, Fred Williamson was supposed to be Sex Machine, but then Savini sent in a tape doing Sex Machine, and uh, Rodriguez gave it to him anyways. <laughs> oh, when that gun pops up, that's got to be the coolest. Pro- Who do you do you think Quentin owns that, or is or did Savini keep that? The gun that pops up in uh, uh, it doesn't matter. He can make one in ten minutes. Yeah, Sex Machine's cock gun. <laughs> uh, so uh, I mean, if it was a foot gun, Quentin would own it. <laughs> Uh, so did you watch anything else? 
Oh yeah, I've been I, I've been binge watching Mystery Science Theater since the beginning, and I'm just coming into like season six. Mm-hmm. And it's weird because like two of my favorite all time Mystery Science Theaters are uh, Mano's Hands of Fate and Mitchell, and those are like the the Joel ones. And I realize I haven't watched a lot of uh, uh, the Mike uh, series, so it, I've seen a lot of new ones for the first time and. Uh, I just love Mystery Science Theater because it's like you get to see the worst of the worst. I mean, sometimes like when I'm watching a movie like Vampire Hookers, it's fun to goof on. <laughs> but uh, uh, I love the humor of Mystery Science Theater. It's probably my best subscription because it was a Kickstarter and, you know, the money's going to the people who actually make the stuff. Right. So I have some news. Oh, I got one other movie oh, okay. that I have to recommend. Because uh, Joe Bob this week did uh, the Mutilator, uh-huh. which is it, it's a it. This isn't why I love Mana's Hands of Fate is it was made based on a bet. <laughs> why I love the Mutilator is it's the music, but it's also somebody who got into making movies who said, "Well, I have eighty six thousand dollars. I could just make a movie on my own." And the easiest kind of movies to make are horror movies, and then. $500,000 later, he was in debt. <laughs> he had taken out all these loans to make this movie. And he only called... So the name of the movie was Fall Break originally. And they were like, but this is a slasher. you got to call it something cool. So they changed it to The Mutilator. But they didn't insert a title card. So when you watch the movie, it still calls it Fall Break. And they asked him, why'd you call it Fall Break? And he goes, well, I saw a movie called Spring Break, and it made a lot of money. What? <laughs> this is a guy making movies just because he had fucking money. And just the, the the tone of the movie is all over the place. It doesn't know if it's a comedy. These people are like in their 30s, and they're supposed to be in, in, in uh, school together. And the best part is... It does have one of the best kills in horror. I, I, I will say that's what's worth watching. I'm not going to... I will spoil the ending with this is the main guy that you're following, it's his his dad is the killer, and he never recognizes him until like the last five minutes of the movie, and he's like, that's my dad! Jesus. <laughs> but But it's worth watching the opening scene and there's a, a killer uh, hook scene, uh, like a giant fish hook scene death that is one of the best in horror that makes the mutilator worth watching. All right, so news. Time for news. News. We need. So, speaking of Wilm Dafoe, he's been added to the cast of Beetlejuice 2. I hope he is in a singing sequence. Yeah, definitely. That would be great. And uh, someone else, Mel Gibson, has been added uh, to the cast of the Continental, the John Wick uh, prequel coming on Peacock. Have people just forgot what kind of person he is? No. How the fuck do people keep giving him work, man? Because uh, he's Mel Gibson. I guess people thought Sugar Tits was funny. 
Well, I think uh, he, he lately he's been playing a villain, so he gets yeah. he gets all villain roles. You know, easy to, easy to believe. Yeah, exactly. Oh, uh, you love this. They're making a Lord of War sequel. Oh, okay. So, okay, go into it. Let me hear it. Uh, with Nick Cage and Bill Skarsgård. Okay, that's right. I did see that this was happening. Because the guy that, that the movie's based on was recently released back to Russia. Yeah. In the in the exchange for Brittany, I can't remember her last Griner. name. Griner. Griner, Yeah. That's just because that's a fucking wild story. And the fact that there's already a film that was made now you could revisit it and just, it can be as weird as possible. And it would make sense because the dude was trade for a WNBA player. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. Yeah. That'll be fun. Nick cage being Nick cage. Oh yeah. And, uh, all the Indiana Jones movies and TV shows are moving back to Disney plus. Well, that's good. Yeah. Good, yeah. Good, I, good place for him. Yeah, I did try to revisit the Young Indiana Jones series uh, a while back. It's kind of hard to watch. Yeah, it bored the fuck out of me. I was like, I, as a kid, I mean, it was awesome because you were going back into that world. But, it, I mean, it, it is just a really, it, it's... I would say it's like on the level of like Hardy Boys and uh, isn't isn't he the guy from Boondock Saints? When he plays him older, yeah, yeah. Sean Patrick Flannery plays him um, as like uh, I think in a a late teen, uh -huh. but there's a kid there's a kid one where they have this young blonde kid who plays Indiana Jones, and it's kind of like a. Uh, encyclopedia brown type adventures you know he's always traveling with his dad so he meets he goes to these exotic places and he has to solve a mystery and there's there's just not a lot of action there's more action when he gets older sure but but they all always have to include some kind of romance they try to basically make the movie into a 42 minute show with different actors and, and the budgets of a tv show uh yeah also Eddie Murphy may be uh, in a Pink Panther reboot. No. Yeah. Fuck no. Is that no, not the no. worst thing you've ever heard? I mean, Steve Martin was bad enough. Yeah, and, and, and you know, I love Steve Martin, but why the fuck would he make that? I mean, Peter Sellers owns of the Pink Panther. Of course he does. He, those movies are so fucking great and have no reason to be remade. They're in color. They're still fucking entertaining. And people feel like, oh, but if Steve Martin does it, it just, I, even the commercials for it didn't look good. D fucking IP over and over and over. They don't ever have new things. It's and, pathetic. And I don't even see... Is is Eddie Murphy a physical comedian on that level no. of Peter Sellers to no. be able to pull off a remake? I mean, no, nobody is. Nobody. Yeah, I'm just trying to think. I mean, Peter Sellers is on another level. Like, like at least Steve Martin could bring something 
you know, but but then all he brought was that fucking accent and just copied all the same stuff from the other Pink Panther movies, you know, Kato and all those great encounters. They're gonna, they still they're gonna lose a bunch of money. Yeah, yeah. It's that's just a bad idea. I don't know why. But but you know what's weird is they've tried rebooting or doing another version of Beverly Hills Cop for years and keep fucking that up. So, I mean, I guess if he's got to find work, he has to find an IP, and his IP isn't working. No, definitely not. So, next week, we're going to be reviewing Vice Squad from 1982. Yes, Wingshauser. This is the one. I haven't seen it in a long time, so I don't remember. I just remember him being a fucking wild dude. I think this is, I think he does a lot of cocaine in it. I remember seeing this on cable as a kid, and I was like, oh, this is how you do cocaine. Right. <laughs> uh, so, we're now on Blue Sky. Yes. Uh, yes. I'm Mark Ramsey on Blue Sky. And I'm Clay Harrison on Blue Sky. So, if you uh, have gotten invites, you can follow us. We'll be offering our uh, movie opinions there as well. Yeah, so see everybody next week on the show. See ya. Later. Later.